Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a meal delivery plan. It is 100% heart-healthy, plant-based, made without gluten, oils, or refined sugar. All customers receive eight meals and two sides for only $100 plus $9.99 shipping. They offer an exciting new menu each week that are shipped out on Mondays. Based in New Jersey, Try Vegan delivers north to Vermont, south to Maryland, west to Pennsylvania, includes all major cities such as New York and Philly. There's no contract or commitment, and you all, my audience, can save 25% off your first order. Promo code, capital L, capital Y, capital T, capital Y, yoga. That's lit yoga. Website is tryveganmealprep.com. Vince is a friend of mine. He is an amazing human being. And I have this myself. This saves me time and energy. And I get these delicious, delicious homemade meals delivered right to my doorstep. So try vegan yourself. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer. First question is from... Cornea Copia Yoga. How to reduce shoulder pinching and pinch up? I believe it's a limitation in my shoulder flexion. So she's referring to forearm balance. Uh, it could also be in dolphin. So shoulder pinching in, in that position, imagine if you were, for those of you who are not familiar with this pose, if you know down dog, it's like down dog, but your forearms are on the ground. And then you walk the feet in really close and try and lift up so it would look like you're on your head, like a headstand, but you're balancing actually on your forearms. So that would be the first thing I would ask is, are you practicing pincha uh, forearm balance with your head lifted? Because that can increase the pinch on your shoulders. It's harder to have the dropped gaze or just neutral neck, which is the way I practice it, but it's way better for your neck and shoulders and ultimately everywhere else because it puts demand equally. So your entire core has to hold you versus if you lift your, if you're lifting your gaze, lifting your chin, lifting your head, you can use your neck muscles to really help you. They can help um, almost like a brake pad. 
So when you get your legs up and, and they feel like they aren't quite vertical, you can use your neck as this way of holding the legs up. And that could be one reason you are feeling it. The other reason you're feeling it is like you said, it's it's a it's a demand of shoulder flexion, but more importantly, it's a demand of the ability to hold isometrically uh, that shoulder flexion with a load on it. So that's different than having the range of motion. You might have the range of motion, you might not. If you can, you know, bring your arm up, say you're just standing and you can bend your elbows and bring your arms up so that the elbows are almost in line with your ears, that's essentially the the action of the forearm balance. That's you can do that, you can get into it. But then you, when you load it and you meaning you're putting your forearms on the floor, putting weight bearing down through it and then putting the demands of some of your body weight on it, it's a very different requirement. So it's not just the range of motion, but it's the ability for your shoulders to hold that position. So when people kind of fail at holding that position, you can see their head drops to the ground, their shoulders kind of collapse in, and and their hands will slide toward each other versus staying in place at a more 90 degree angle. So those are different ways that the body is enabled to meet the demand of holding the shoulder inflection and putting weight on it. So if you're feeling a pinching, more likely than not, something is occurring where you aren't meeting the demand. So I would say, bring your forearms to the ground when you practice dolphin and bring your elbows, bias the elbows in a little bit more and the hands out a little bit more, almost like a V but it's very minimal. Instead of being a pure 90 degree angle between wrist, elbow, and shoulder, bring the elbows in a little bit. That will help keep the shoulders in um, a position. They're slightly rotating. The humeral head's slightly rotating externally. And so it positionally, it's more likely to have to, to maintain space. So you won't feel any pinchiness. Then the requirement is that those rotator cuff muscles need to stabilize it. The scapula stabilizers need to hold so the ribs don't drop out. So other things have to work to help that. But I would first say, really examine what your setup is. Are you just getting your, I'm not saying you're doing this, but a lot of people just kick their legs up, sink into their shoulders and lift their chin and they just can hold themselves up. So it's their airborne and they're saying, I can do it. But to me, there's not a lot of talent in that. It's just basically figuring out kind of counterweight to to different things that aren't working. (laughs) Um, What you really need to work for is that straight line where everything is working collaboratively and that the the whole entire shoulder girdle complex is able to hold your weight. So you need to work into it gradually and um, maybe backtrack from being in a forearm balance and don't think about getting there because there's no point in getting there if things the systems collapse. You can always feel free to um, text me or email me a picture or send it on my direct message in my Instagram, and I'll take a look at it. We have another question about Penchamayarasana, so I'll just follow up this. This is from E. Elbert. What's the best way to start practicing Pencha away from the wall? It's scarier than handstand for me. You're not alone in feeling that way. So a lot of people practice with a wall behind them for doing a handstand or forearm balance because they feel like when their legs are up in the air and then they start to arch in the back and the legs are going over 
that they're going to flip over. And that's very, that is a like, not, that's a disconcerting feeling because basically what you're feeling is not in control. And with that flipping over, um, there's plenty of people who do it as a resort or as a way of getting out. I am not a person that recommends that. Here's why. If you always flip over, which is um, really lacking control. So you have to think of like getting up needs to have control, staying up needs to have control, and then getting out of it or down needs to have control. So a flip over is the is the lack of control, unless you purposely did that, but I don't think that's the case with most people. Versus if you start to lose your feeling of being able to stay up, right? You would, what I recommend is the fallout to cartwheel. So if you're on your, it's a miniature cartwheel, it's not a full cartwheel, but essentially if you're on your hands and your legs start to flip over, like you were going to flip into wheel, pick up one hand, like, and that would be the hand that would be your non-dominant hand in your cartwheel. And as you pick up that hand, so for me, it's my left hand. I always, always pick up my left hand. I never, ever pick up my right hand. So my brain knows when I start to lose that feeling of, of being held together and vertical, that I will pick up my hand and I will do a little cartwheel to the left for handstand. But there is, even in that fallout, quote unquote, there's, there's a control to it. Similarly, in forearm balance, you have to pick up your elbow. So now you've got your forearm down and it's like how, you know, you don't have the free hand like you would in a cartwheel. So you're on your forearms. What you need to do is just move that elbow out, like shoot it out to the side quickly as you start to fall and your weight will shift over to that side and you'll do a miniature cartwheel. So again, if I was up in a forearm balance and I felt like I was falling over, I would just quickly move the left elbow off the ground and to the side, then that will pivot me into a cartwheel in that direction. You have to start practicing that, um, Eleanor. You have to start practicing that move so that it is not frightening. The worst feeling is when you're kind of upright in that forearm balance and you feel like you're falling over and you just don't do anything. So it's like timber. And so you need to control the descent, the fallout, just like you control the lifting up. And that reminds me, the more you practice lifting with control, it's a shift. It's not a kick. I never use the word kick up into a handstand or kick up into a foreign balance ever. And here's why. I don't want you to do that. That's a lot of momentum. And some might say, well, you know, but that's, you got to learn somehow and then you'll get the feeling of it. I disagree. I just disagree because, you know, it's, it's, again, it's like taking a shortcut for, for dog training, (laughs) you know, like your dog is smart. If you take a shortcut and kind of let them get away with some behavior, they're, they're going to do that behavior. And as opposed to sticking to the rules and, and following them, even if it takes longer to train. So you need to train your body the same way with just complete patience that these things are going to take a while. But getting away from the wall is is so essential because neurologically, when you practice with the wall there, you are not laying down the muscle memory, the brain mapping needed to feel like you can be away from the wall. And that's why people will do handstands next to a wall for years. And then they say, oh, I can do a handstand. I just can't do it out in the middle of the floor. 
And I just say, well, you're not doing a, you're not, you're not really standing and you're not in a handstand. I mean, yeah, you can do it with the wall there, but that's just, you know, you need to do it independent. And it's, it's really, there's many layers of, um, kind of psychology under that too, is you will feel so much better when you don't have that freaking wall there because you know it's not really doing you justice, but it's just satisfying. I don't want to say it, but your ego that's satisfying that quick, like I got this, I can do this, I can do this. Well, how about take the time and learn the mechanics of it step-by-step, even if it takes a year longer. So what? You've got a long life, right? Here's hoping. We've got many, many years to practice this. So don't be in a rush. I just went off on a tangent there, but that's to say, get away from the wall. <laughs> okay, next question. MHS Gemini 37. Can you talk about the difference between up dog and cobra and when to use each? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, up dog is used, in my opinion, up dog is used only if you're coming into it after you go into a chaturanga. So cobra, you can use that all the time. You lower to the ground and cobra is on the ground. It's getting extension in the spine with a co-activated trunk, meaning your glutes are working and you pull back. You pull with your hands back. There's very few pulls that we have in yoga. And I really, really feel strongly that you don't push down to get um, extension in your back because you could you could do it okay. And there's cases for that, like if you were trying to get your disc back into place. But um, for most people, pulling back is much stronger feeling for shoulder integration and much uh, more equal extension for the spine. So Cobra, use every time you lower to the floor. Um, up dog, to me, you only even want to think about up dog if you find that you can lower to chaturanga, which is a, known as a lower push-up. Your shoulders don't go beneath your elbows. You want the humeral head centered, not dropping down. And then the way I teach it is so you don't, sh- you don't um, push your toes over and go forward because that really goes into your low back. But instead, you just stay in one place. You flip one foot at a time and you pull back with your hands. And that action is just giving you extension everywhere when you plantar flex your feet. So it's not necessary, but it's really a lovely feeling. And it kind of gives you this beautiful front line of opening from the tops of your feet to the legs, to the front of the hips. Um, but but up dog is only done as a transition from chaturanga. So if you never do up dog, that's fine. Do cobra. Cobra is amazing. I love, love, love cobra. And I some days... Many days we'll just practice with that and not even do the up dog. So, because there is more potential load since your pelvis is off the ground, there's more potential load in the lumbosacral area, your low back. So, you have to be really, really aware of that and use your glutes. Have somebody that really knows uh, yoga teach you how to do an up dog, too. I think that's so valuable. All right, next question. Fuki. Why do my knees hurt and what is it in my knee that hurts when doing cow face pose? So I answered this before, but I will answer it again. Cow face pose, for those of you who are not sure, it's like imagine you're crisscross applesauce, but then you cross one knee over the other. So you just like pull the knees in closer. So just the very fact of bringing the knees closer together 
is going to pull your inner thighs closer together and pull on your outer hips more. So if you don't have the range in your outer hips, it's usually reflected in your knees. So if your knees hurt almost 100% of the time, it's because of the hip mobility is not quite there. So I would really, really work on your hip mobility. And it might be that your hips, because everybody's hips are different, they really are depending on the angle of the femur, the length of the femur, the angle of the femoral neck, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then all the other you know things that have been done in life. Uh, if it doesn't feel good, then don't do it. You know, But to still work on hip mobility, that's different than hip stretching. So mobility is the ability of the the joint to move freely in all the ranges that it has available to it. Okay, so somnerf, somnerferosum, sorry, I'm kind of blowing that, is called, or she asks, uh, why do you lower the toes in the first low lunge, but not the rest? So what she's referring to is in my sun citation one, uh, we have low lunge, which is really like a 90-90 lunge, not quite like the free like spillage of um, anjaneyasana. And in the first round of it, I have the t- top of the foot on the floor. And the second round, I have the toes tucked under. And the reason being, and sometimes people don't like one of the other, one of those versions because it bothers their knees. So what that will tell you often is that's, th- it, usually it's with the top of the foot down that bothers their knees. Sometimes it's the other way, but the reason being with the top of the foot down just like I was saying how in um, Cobra or Updog, but with Updog, the top of the foot is on the floor in plantar flexion. You're stretching out that fascia of the front of the foot across the shin, across the thigh, quadricep, across the hip. So similarly, you're doing that in this low lunge. And if you are restricted in any of those, it could be the top of the foot feels really like gnarly to have down. Um, it could be the front of your thigh, the, the long muscles of the quadriceps are more restricted. And with the top of the foot down, it's pulling them the, that tissue and that ends up pulling on your knee. So the reason being, it, they're different actions and reactions. So when the top of the foot is down, you're getting more of this kind of um, frontal line stretch. And when the toes are tucked, you're getting more of a readiness. Your glute engagement is usually easier to access because think of that, it's like the push-off phase of gait, of walking. And when you have the toe, the, the toe tuck like that, that's the flexion that you need for your big toe to push you forward. And that action of the big toe in that um, setup engages your glute easier. Not for everybody, especially if your glute is in snoozy land, but there is both of those have different feedback and different sensory per- perceptions and responses. So they're both really great, but you have to be aware of like if you have a lot of tightness across that front fascial line, you don't want it to pull on your knee. But that doesn't mean you never will do it. So sometimes the people will be like, oh, I can't ever do that lunge because it hurts my knee. And what I would say is, well, let's see if we can make it so it doesn't hurt your knee, but not just by modifying the pose, but also by uncovering why your knee hurts and then working and working to open up the any restricted tissue to activate muscles that need engagement and then see. And that's what I've seen over the years time and time again, people who used to never want to put their knee on the ground because it was hurting their knee or because of the pull on the quadriceps, um, 
And then now they're like, oh my gosh, this feels so great. But they had to really work in all the different poses that I present in a class to help with that. Finally, I want to make sure I I address this. Sammy Martin um, stretches sequences for nurses. Being on my feet for 12 hours kills my legs and back. Well, first of all, big shout out to you and to all your colleagues and to all the amazing healthcare workers and providers who are just, just doing something so amazing for us. And, you know, we're all benefiting so greatly from, from you showing up and doing your job in such a tremendous way. So anything I can do to help, I'm going to, I'm going to start with this. You're on your feet for 12 hours a day, and most likely you're also on the worst kind of surface, which is concrete at a hospital and maybe, and the shoes aren't helping either. And shoes, you know, they don't really help much because you're losing a lot of energy through your shoes. So you've probably already got no energy coming from the ground because concrete has, you know, think about jumping on a trampoline. When you land, there's a spring back. Jumping on concrete would be the opposite. You land and all that spring back that you would get from a trampoline is just like lost in the floor. So standing, walking, doing all of the stuff you do with each step, with each standing, you are that energy is just being kind of pulled out. And what happens is not only do you not get the energy back up, but the joints get more compressive because of that, because they have their own sense of springiness to them. They're covered with uh, different types of connective tissue in different forms. And all of that responds to this ground reactive force. But if there is no ground reaction force, there is no responsiveness there. So everything feels like congested and compressed. So one of the best things you can do um, if you're talking about like on the shift itself is to get off your feet in some way. So I, I imagine that you might have like a call, like not a call room, but a restroom or a kitchen or something. If they're all, if there's every single space that you're in is concrete, then we're going to be in trouble, right? But if you can find any area that has some carpeting, like the TV room that, and there, and you can find like five minutes, if you can get on that and lie on your back and do like a bridge pose or something so that you're getting some good energy through your hips, you're realigning your pelvis, reach your arms up as you do that. And then from bridge pose, bring your legs up in the air and then just kind of um, with the legs straight up in the air, just roll them in and out, external internal rotation, just to get some, again, some mobility in the hips, but also get some of that inevitable swelling that occurs when you're just standing for that long on these type of floors, um, recirculating. And then you can try some scissoring legs where you're bringing one down at a time and doing something like that for a few minutes, uh, anytime you get a break would help tremendously when you get home, getting the legs up the wall or something like that, really unloading them and, and um, getting that reversal of some of that lymph and, and blood, you know, it's, it's mainly the lymph system that isn't getting that recirculation and it makes you feel really swollen. So getting those legs up will help. But anything that's mobilizing your hip joints will be wonderful. So say you're sitting in your chair at your desk station, um, marching, marching your hips. That sounds really funny, but just like lifting one leg at a time and getting that hip mobility there, bringing your arms 
up in the air, bringing your hands behind your head, leaning your head back into, leaning your skull back into your hands and opening up your chest wall and then doing some rotations while you're sitting and you're at the nurse's station. Those are some things too, like you need to keep that rotation in your torso going. So I hope that's just enough like to give you little bites of, of, of movement nutrition, so to speak, while you're at work. And then after work, counter it by moving in a variety of ways. So I have some great sequences specific for that that are, that are short on my um, platform. And where you're lunging, you're side lunging, you're adding some twist in there, just mobilizing your hips because they're, they're at the center and they... Um, transfer so much energy from the ground and counter, you know, if, if you don't have energy coming from the ground, they're going to feel the most rest- like kind of compressed. So mobilizing them is going to help a lot. Thank you again for everything you do. And thank you all for listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.